thank you for tuning in to episode 111, a special bonus episode of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay, a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father, four ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction. If you or anyone that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, has tried to stop looking at pornography over time, has said this is the last time, but then returns to it, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com because they can get over this. They can put this so far in their rearview mirror that they will not even be able to see it. Um, just head over to pathbackrecovery.com where you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at Virtual Couch, Facebook, Tony Overbay, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, or go to tonyoverbay.com and sign up there to get more information on upcoming exciting news. There we go. That's all the preamble. That's all the buildup. This bonus episode was uh, me being interviewed by Monica Packer on her podcast called About Progress. And I love her podcast. And I was really, really grateful that she reached out and asked me to be on her show. And the title of the episode, this is her episode number 138. The title is called How to Stop Hating Yourself with Tony Overbay. And uh, I love in, in the notes she put there, you don't have to hate yourself into change. Um, this therapist is teaching us how. This therapist is me. So uh, this is, I love the way she does. She has a lot of post-production in her work. So she interviewed me and then she she just made it very, very cohesive. And we talk about two of my passions, which is the emotional baseline theory, as well as acceptance and commitment therapy. So um, I would I would highly encourage you to read this. It's a short listen. She's got about 30 minutes of um, material here. So I want to get right to that interview. I put all of the audio from her interview in here and uh, really appreciate Monica letting me have that audio to put on here as a special bonus episode. But I would definitely encourage you to go find Monica's About Progress podcast and uh, subscribe. I think you'll really enjoy a lot of the topics that she talks about. So without any further ado, let's get to uh, my interview on Monica Packer's About Progress podcast. As we continue our discussion on New Year, New You, how you can actually change, this is the most important part of that ability to change, and it's how you view yourself. You are listening to episode 138 with Tony Overbay, How to Stop Hating Yourself. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to guide you toward living the life you want. Each week, you'll hear interviews and teachings on how to balance self-development with self-acceptance. Listen in and join our community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. Thank you so much for being here. First, before we jump in, I want to let you know that the doors are officially open for acceptance to my progress program, which is small group coaching for women who want to grow in their lives. It has been such a transformational program, not just for my clients, but for me as well. We have learned so much from each other and I have adored getting to know these women and helping them get some growth going in their lives again. So if you are done feeling stuck, go ahead and use the code listener to take off 20% for your first month. And that's a significant code that I only share here on the show. Again, that code is listener. Now, I also want to remind you that it's the time to send in your sound bites to be included for our last episode of the month. 
What you do is you just hop on your phone and record a voice memo. That is a minute or even just 30 seconds to a few minutes long. And you can email it to me at packerprogress at gmail.com. Last week on my growth spurt episode, I gave you an example of what that looks like at the end of the episode. So you can hear that, you know, just do this, sit on your couch, pretend we are real life friends and record yourself telling me an aha moment you had while listening to the show, what advice you've give members of our community on our topic at hand, which is how you can change maybe a funny story where it didn't go so well for you, but you can laugh now or anything you learned from the episodes. So send that to me at packerprogress at gmail.com. Finally, if you haven't started your progress plan for this month or filled out your do something bucket list, it is never, ever too late to do so. Listen to the first episode of January entitled New Year, New You to get taught on what those uh, things are even about and to download them for free at aboutprogress.com slash free. Let's talk about today's topic, how to stop hating yourself. It is so important to our theme this month on how you can change. We know our thoughts are everything. We talk about this a lot, both on the podcast and in society. People are really working on mindset all across the board. But I think it is especially important that if you want to truly change, the baseline behind that change, the true foundation behind it needs to be a place of love, of self, acceptance of self, or even neutrality of how you view yourself. Because in order to truly change, you actually do not need to do it out of a place of hating yourself, period. Let me tell you about my guest today, Tony Overbay. Let's have him introduce himself a little here. Right. Uh, so uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I have been married for 28 years to my high school sweetheart, which I always love those stories, right? And so, uh, you know, the rest is history. So 28 years, we have four kids that are ages 20, 18, 16, and 14. And um, I, I actually spent the first 10 years out of college in so- computer software sales and uh, just wasn't wasn't my thing. I felt called to um, be a therapist. So that was a, that was a career change about uh, 10 years into um, my adult life, I guess. So, but um, I really felt called to work with men. I wanted to help them be better husbands and fathers and all those good mm-hmm. things. And what I didn't know initially was that guys don't typically come to counseling mm-hmm. um, therapy. Right. So then that led to, I started doing a lot of work with um, addictions, pornography, addiction, uh, compulsive sexual behavior. Cause there's, there you get some guys and then doing a lot of uh, couples counseling and, and that sort of thing. So um, that's kind of how I got to where I'm at now. So that's Tony in a nutshell. I love that he started therapy as a second career. And that fact alone shows us that we can change at any phase of our lives. And he has a lot of experience with women alongside men. He also has a wonderful podcast of his own called The Virtual Couch, and it's basically free therapy. So I highly recommend it. We have to turn to our topic and like talk about what is this that we do to ourselves when we think that we have to hate ourselves into change. I don't know if that's just me, but growing up, I thought that that was the good way to develop myself was by hating myself into growing and to change. And this is actually counterproductive. So Tony talks about your emotional baseline. Let's have him describe what that is and why it really matters how you view yourself. So uh, I, I came up with this concept about a decade ago, I call it the emotional baseline. 
And so what it, what it really is, is uh, on any given day, not any given day, in the grand scheme of things, there are times where we feel like our baseline of emotions are high, where we feel like everything's going great. We love our jobs and our kids and, and the weather's great and, and our, the, the candy is fresh and the can- everything is going great. And we have these decisions that come at us and we feel good and they just roll off our back and, you know, we make these decisions and, and all is well. But then there are also times where, um, you know, maybe we've lost a job or, or lost a loved one or we are sick or our kids have uh, kind of going through a rebellious streak or the dog has, I was going to say, pooped on the carpet. I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but things happen, right? And so th- then our, our baseline of emotions are low. And so, but the problem is the same decisions are coming at us every day. And so, and I really do believe we react differently from a high emotional baseline versus a low I really love this idea of an emotional baseline. And I think we all have this proof out there that it exists, whether it's ourselves, we can look at ourselves or others in our lives and our families, our friends, and think about how many people function from a lower baseline or a higher. But what I loved about what Tony taught us after this is that it is possible to change your emotional baseline. Now, maybe you won't be able to go from a one to a 10 with the snap of your finger, but you can grow it. Um, You can move it up. And the way you do that, Tony teaches us, is by being willing to invest in yourself in ways that are restoring and helpful. And depending on where your emotional baseline is, that's going to involve some self-care. That's going to involve doing things that you love to do, like your do something list. I'm just going to put in that little plug here. And he shared a story about a client he had who was struggling with his emotional baseline and how he built it up in a way that was really interesting to me because I think a lot of us can relate to this guy and how he thought in order to even invest in himself in the small way that Tony will share, he had to still be really admirable about how he was going to do it. We really need to do the self-care work to raise that emotional baseline. So when I get somebody that is depressed, for example, um, the first thing I like to say is really, what do you like to do? And sometimes they feel like, you know, that that's just putting a bandaid on, on the wound, but you have to start somewhere. And, uh, and I like in one of your podcasts, you talked about reading that you're, you're getting back mm-hmm. to reading, I believe. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, you know, one of the examples I like to give is, uh, I had a guy who had gone through a divorce and he was pretty down and he worked from home and he's uh, supposed to be getting things done. He wasn't. And so we talked about how, how could he raise his emotional baseline? And he talked about loving to read. Um, but then I said, okay, so what happens? Why, why aren't you reading? And he said, well, you know, when I read, I feel like I should be reading all these deep spiritual tomes, oh, yes. you know, uh, Jesus the Christ, the infinite atonement, all these things. And he said, but then when I read them, I lose, I lose track. I feel bad about myself. So then here I go to read and now my baseline of emotion is lower. So I basically said, all right, uh, half an hour a day. What do you like to read? He was a legal thriller guy. So yeah. read a little John Grisham, right? And then, you know, and then don't feel guilty and enjoy it and be present. And when you come out of that, you're going to feel better. And now maybe go take the dog for a walk. And now all of a sudden you're, you can do it, right? So, so that's the part where I think the investing in yourself, um, self-care, is uh, I call you know to me it's raising that emotional baseline and it really isn't such a because when your emotional baseline is high you are you're a better you which then equates to being a better mom a better wife a better uh, church person a better community person a better everything because you feel good about yourself and and uh, too many people do the whole like yeah I got to beat myself up I you know I feel bad about wanting to go to the gym or I feel bad about you know whatever that is and that's you know I don't know that that doesn't work. Did you hear what Tony said there? It doesn't work. 
why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we sabotage our own growth by saying what we are trying to do, even if it's just to fulfill a void in our lives, has to be something admirable. A lot of times we take self-care, like I loved how Tony said that self-care work, wrong. We think it as either something like you need to treat yourself, kind of live an indulgent lifestyle or live as a martyr or anything in between. But too often what I see in people is that they live their lives based off of what they should be doing. So they tell themselves, if I'm going to invest in myself or take time for myself, then it means I need to be reading the best books of literature out there. Or if I'm going to run, I need to be training for a marathon. And a lot of people are able to do that, but I think it can often be a way we sabotage our growth by living based off of shoulds. So we need to find a middle ground there. Here's why Tony says living your life based off of shoulds does not work. But but that part about, you know, you should do this and you should do that then brings along with it so much uh, just guilt and shame. And I am the biggest yeah. anti-guilt and shame guy um, because those just aren't productive uh, emotions. A guilt can be like a stop sign. You know, it can, you know, sure. I can feel guilty that I forgot to pick up my grandma at the store or whatever. Um, shame is where then that part that comes in and says, because you're a horrible person and you know, you'll never get any better and everybody hates, you know, and once the shame starts rolling, then that's when we withdraw, we isolate, we feel less than, and then now welcome to the world of, you know, coping skills and addictions and, and that whole thing. What a great explanation. And I love how he explained that guilt can be necessary. And Brittany Brown teaches this. We do need to have some level of guilt or shame, she says, because otherwise we would just be a really self-serving society. And we need a little bit of worry about pleasing others and trying to be a good person um, just so that law and morality works. But it's really different when you're looking at yourself, when you are overwhelmed with guilt and shame because you don't think what you do, even if it's self-care related, isn't good enough, that's not going to ever serve you. So let's take a few minutes. Well, I'm not going to pause the podcast here, but if you can take a few minutes for yourself and really think about if your emotional baseline is super low and you want to work on increasing it. You need to think about what is really going to serve you, what is really going to restore you and boost that baseline. It's going to look different. Some people, it might be baking. Other people, it might be rock climbing. Only you can answer that. And if you struggle to know what that is because you've been so wrapped up in shoulds for so long, or maybe you've just been living your life based off of responsibility and doing what you have to do in the moment to help others function in your lives. Like if you're a stay-at-home mom, I understand that. And that's why I hope you're using that do something bucket list because that will help you know what really does restore you and makes you light up. Go back to listen to the first episode of the month. Uh, It's called New Year, New You to know more about what that's about. But what I would encourage you to do now is just think about your childhood and what you used to love to do, what used to interest you, what you were drawn to. And that is a really great place to start. Now, let's say you've done some work to boost your emotional baseline. And now you need to really work on the negative self-talk and what you say to yourself, how you view yourself. I think we often can do this by looking at ourselves as if we were on a movie or on a stage and we act as our own worst critic. What's going on in that mind of yours that you want to start working on? 
A lot of cognitive therapy is about changing your thoughts, and it's something I've benefited a lot as an, a, a longtime attender of therapy myself. But Tony worded this in a way that I had never heard of before. He talked about a new kind of therapy that can work in conjunction with cognitive therapy, but it's different. And I honestly think that this is going to really launch people into working on their negative self-talk even more than the traditional ways we are used to hearing about. So Tony explains what it is. It's acceptance and commitment therapy. So this is where, so I love this uh, concept that's called acceptance and commitment therapy and uh, ACT is the acronym. So, and and I'll just give you a two minute of just some boring stuff. So there's another huge part of therapy called the cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Uh And I was a huge CBT therapist for years. Mm -hmm. And so CBT kind of works with that. Your thoughts lead your emotions, your emotions, your behaviors. And you really do identify a lot of those automatic negative thoughts or ants and you get all clever and you say stomp out the ants and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I still, I love it. But the problem I would run into a lot with clients is, you know, the example might be, uh, I walk into a room and I feel like everybody hates me. So then in cognitive behavioral therapy, you can dig and see where that, those automatic negative thoughts come from. And then you kind of, all right, you challenge that. And, you know, now you walk into the room and you say, all right, or maybe they're all uh, just, they all had a bad day and it's not about you. So that's in theory leads to a different, uh, you know, it's a different thought, leads to a different emotion. And the behavior is, all right, I'm going to go, you know, mingle. The problem is I would run into people that get out into the wild and then they do that. Okay. What's my automatic negative thought? They, okay, they're all just having a bad day. And then the brain sometimes says, oh no, they really don't like you. You know, and then it's like, ah, you know, that, so it's, it was really easy to do in sessions. And I'm, again, they're brilliant cognitive behavioral therapists. But for me, um, then I, w- I went to a training and it was on this acceptance and commitment therapy. What I love about it, it's another evidence-based modality. And what it says is you walk into that room and you feel, you might feel like nobody likes you, but you're, you're human and you have all these experiences growing up where maybe you were isolated or maybe you did have people that teased you or maybe you were bullied or maybe your parents didn't give you attention or whatever. So you come into that situation and we're not, we're not telling you your thoughts are bad or, you know, you shouldn't be having those or they're just there. Your brain's just saying, here you go, you know, here's some thoughts. So what I love about it is you're, you're kind of making room for those thoughts. And then what you're doing is you're changing that relationship with the thoughts. So in that moment, then you, you will have done some work around, all right, what's my goal? My goal is to connect to people. Um, you know, and, and I've, I've, so then I walk into that room and my thoughts are saying, they all think you're, you know, crazy. Then it's like, okay, um, we're not even going to judge whether that thought is true or false. We're not going to hold some trial and get expert witnesses. And it's like, yes, they all feel you are crazy. Cause then, you know, then what do you do? Right. So what acceptance and commitment therapy says is with that, that, you know, that thought, um, if your goal is connection, then what your brain is trying to do is it's trying to hook you to that thought. Um, and well, first of all, you kind of, you, you step back and you go, all right, I'm, I'm kind of feeling uh, anxious or, or, or uh, I don't know, upset or worried or whatever it is in that situation. And you say, all right, what's the story my brain is telling me? My brain is telling me the old, everybody hates you story, mm-hmm. you know, and if it can hook me on that story, then, and I fuse to that story, this cognitive fusion, if I believe that story is true, then I don't have to do the work of going out into the room, right? And your brain is so set on trying to um, keep you where you are. Your brain knows what what right now feels like. And so so when you're saying, all right, I am going to now start making connections out in public, your brain at first may uh, do a little bit, give you a little dopamine bump and go, yeah. And then your brain sits back and says, Okay, let's come up with all these reasons. They call it like a reason giving machine of why that won't work. Okay, well, what if you go out there and you don't know what to say? Or what if everybody laughs at you? Or what if your brain's trying desperately, bless its little heart, to just not cause you to go out there and do something that might not go well? Um, 
So that's what I love about acceptance and commitment therapy. So then you're saying, all right, um, I'm, I'm feeling like they don't like me. And then it's like, we're not even judging if that story is true or false. It is, is it a workable or productive thought toward the goal? If it's not, then that's just one of those thoughts your brain's putting out there and where you do some nice mindfulness skills and move it on through. My biggest takeaway for what Tony and I covered there is that question. What is the story my brain is trying to tell me? Because like Tony explained, our brains love comfort and it likes equal equilibrium. So it will continue to fight and push against what you are trying to push it into. So it's going to be uncomfortable for your brain to be challenged, to think differently about yourself. It's going to be uncomfortable and it will resist you doing that. So what Tony says, I think is a good way to stop that. You accept that those thoughts are happening. You don't put judgment to them and you work with the story. You, you look at what that story is and then you commit to moving through it. And that piece right there is what we're going to spend a little time on how to do that. Because for me, even though cognitive therapy has been something I have learned a lot from, the biggest thing that has changed my life and the way I view myself is by acting, even when I didn't feel like it. Because that's what I think the flaw is and how we might perceive cognitive behavioral therapy is we think we need to change our thoughts before we move forward. And sometimes it's the reverse. And that's what Tony talks about. You need to act in order to view yourself differently and to think differently. So how do you do that? What do you do to start acting the part that you want to play instead of just being forced into uh, the story and then the scene that your brain is setting up for you? This is where the commitment piece comes in. Tony talks about how all of us have certain values that matter to us and how I like to translate this to what we've been talking about this month is that whole piece we've talked about uh, about the importance of knowing who you want to be. And that relates back to the values that matter in your life. So you do need to have that thought work, that that plan, that vision, and that image in mind of who you want to become and why. That's the commitment piece. So one of the big components of acceptance and commitment therapy is those goals. You have to you have to kind of do some value work before you get to the goal. These values all look different for people. So so a lot of the work you do is these values. So a couple of quick examples. One was I had a guy that his goal was making money. That was, you know, a lot of guys' goals are making money. He worked in a an office where it wasn't shady, but it really maybe wasn't the best. They, they, they were maybe upselling people on things that they maybe didn't really need. Mm -hmm. And so he comes to me. And so he liked the making money part, but he just felt so conflicted. And we did the values exercise and a couple of his core values were honesty and authenticity. And the story behind those where he'd grown up in a home with a narcissistic parent who had kind of changed the story all the time. So he said, when I'm out on my own, I am going to be honest in everything and I'm going to be authentic and so here he goes and he sets the goal of money, but he's not living true to his values. Yeah. So there was this like cognitive dissonance. So, um, you know, he, he left, he got out of there. Tony talked about how different values matter to different people. So some people really value independence or integrity. Others value um, freedom, independence, all of those things. 
still matter, but it's different for each person. He talked about a certain way for you to figure out what values matter to you. And I'll link to that as something that you can go on and fill out and it will help you figure out what values you seem to gravitate to the most. But even if you're not able to do that, that thought work that we did in our progress plan this month, which is a free printable um, on my website, you can figure out what really matters to you and who you want to become. And this is something I dive into with a lot of detail with my clients in the progress program. And we also do a lot of commitment and acting on our commitments. So let's talk about a common problem that I have faced and I know my clients have faced and people all in my life, I know we all face this. We know who we want to be and why we want to be that that person. And we even have committed to certain actions that we need to take to become that person. And we feel really excited about it, all amped up, ready to get started. And then we find ourselves immediately feeling a lot of resistance or self-doubt or um, (laughs) paralysis. Am I the only one who's, who's experienced this before? I'm sure I'm not. Well, Tony has an answer for you. Because then you'll even find yourself getting down if let's say that, all right, now I'm going to my core value or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write more. I'm going to journal. I'm going to write the great American novel. And then you go a couple of weeks. Maybe you haven't. You know, what I love about acceptance and commitment therapy is then it's like, man, now I'm down. And then it's like, oh, okay, what's the story my brain's telling me? Oh, I, it's the old you, you failed again story or you can't even keep it up story or whatever. Yep. And it's like, okay, nothing it, true or false, the story, whatever. It's not. Is it a workable thought toward my goal, which is based on my value if I want to write more? It's not. When I'm aware, I find myself recognizing, okay, I haven't been doing this thing. Um, your brain's trying to tell you, see, you know, I knew you couldn't do it because then if you buy into that, if you fuse to that thought, eh, no more writing. You don't have to, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just, it's so cool to be able to recognize, um, you know, it takes away the shame and the guilt of, okay, maybe I'm not... Uh, doing things every day, or maybe I'm not perfect about things. Cause it's like, and then what's the story my brain's telling me? It's that, see, you forgot again, story or any of those things. And just bringing awareness to that. Then it's like, okay, um, now, you know, I'm not going to fuse to that story and I'm going to keep working toward my goal and over and over and, uh, takes away that, Hey, yeah, you failed story, that sort of thing. So what story have you been telling yourself that you no longer want to buy into? A lot of the people that I see um, in my program and just in our little community here are people who have told themselves over and over again that they never finish things, that they're not a self-starter, that they're a failure, and they can't be depended on. That's a pretty hard story to keep buying into. And the only way that you can be part of a new story is by not buying into that old one anymore and showing yourself by commitment and action that you are a person who can follow through. And the way that I like to do this is by starting super small, really, really small. Even if that just means making one commitment for your week and following through with that, stretching those muscles in your brain and uh, disrupting that equilibrium in ways that are going to put up your baseline and help you have the control of mind that you want to move forward in your life. Tony talked about a marathon example and how you can use this ACT model to work your way through that resistance you're going to face as you are working towards changes you want to make in your life. So the marathon, you know, you talked earlier about that. So that's a great example of, you know, you maybe hear that somebody else ran one or something. So you say, all right, I'm going to run a marathon. And then your brain squirts a little dopamine and the feel good center. And you're like, yeah. 
and then you step then you step back and now your brain does the whole again they call it reason giving but it's a nice way to say excuse me but so then your brain's gonna go I don't know. I, I don't want to hurt my knees and I don't, uh, I don't have a training plan and I don't, I don't have, have time a, for that. I don't I have time. Do I the right shoes. Yeah. I'll be, all those. You're, so those are like, just watch what your brain does and then just kind of say, Oh, okay. I see what you're doing brain. Right. You're trying to get me on that path. Cause then I don't have to actually train. Yep. I don't have to go out in the cold. Then I don't have to, you know, it, it's like, it's not a productive thought. Your brain again is trying to tell you, um, let's just kind of chill. I mean, the, 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 I heard a long time ago at a, Right. Yeah. And I heard a long time ago to training that, I mean, your brain really does kind of think it wants to live forever. So the best way to do that is to do nothing. And uh, yeah. And so, I mean, give it credit, but it doesn't realize that running that marathon is going to be pretty cool. And we're going to give you a whole bunch of dopamine when you cross that finish line. Yeah. You know? So I love that we can challenge ourselves to still commit to who we want to be and why we want to be that person and the values that we have in our lives. Last week's Growth Spur episode, we also talked about how to see yourself from the eyes of a parent and work yourself through whatever you're facing, um, the resistance to the changes that you want to make. Tony had this in a real life uh, experience as a father, and I want to end this episode with his example of how he decided to allow his daughter to commit to something that was of value to her and what that did to transform her life. And I thought it was just a good way for us to imagine how we can see ourselves in the same way. Anyway, I had a daughter who was like in eighth or ninth grade and she said, I want to start doing gymnastics or whatever. And I thought, hey, you know, you're supposed to be doing that when you're five, you know, in my head. But then I was like, tell me more, you know, oh, I always wanted to, I don't want to live with regrets, blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. Then she starts taking tumbling. All of a sudden she can do all this cool stuff. Uh, Uh The high school is now this new sport called stunt. And now she's like getting, uh, you know, college offers and it's, so it's so crazy. So I would have just said, you know, said, that's ridiculous. You don't want to do that. Or that's going to cost too much money. Or I don't think you'll say that's why would I do that? You know? So it's like, just to sit back and, and just, you know, not, those aren't productive thoughts. And my goal is to connect with my daughter. And so, you know, I'm not going to get fused to the, that's going to be a waste of my money story. Like who cares? You know, listen, right. Um, tell so, me more. I love tell me that. more. Right. We yeah. can do that to ourselves. Tell me yeah. more. What it, do you really? Mean? Why do you like exactly. that? Yeah. I think it has to be said here that in order to ask your brain, tell me more, you have to also give it permission to dream a little bit more. And I hope that's what we can take away from this is that we do have so many more choices than we want to believe we do. And a big part of that is the ability to dream. I'm so grateful that Tony was on the show. I have linked to everything there for him. And I'm going to end here with what he said he is working on right now, which I loved. So uh, my big thing is I am I am just working on being just more and more um, just, I know it sounds cheesy, but authentic. I feel like when I'm talking with people, they don't feel like they can speak their mind about how they feel about parenting or communications or their goals or because they're, they're worried about being shut on or they're worried about. And, and so it's like, just, I'm, I just, you know, my goal is just working on being more and more authentic in everything that I do. Yeah. What a fantastic answer. And one that I thought was so helpful to hear from a therapist that even he just wants to be heard and seen for who he really authentically is. I love that he's showing up that way. And by the way, if you heard him say, um, just not wanting to be should on, that's a whole part of the conversation I didn't include because it sounded too much like the other thing, but it's saying, 
when we live our lives based off of shoulds, and there's a saying out there that that says, don't should on yourself, should on yourself. That's the connection there. Tony, I'm so grateful you were on the show. It was so fun getting to know him better. And I have linked to all things Tony. If you want to hear more from him, even on this episode, I have a new feature I will be doing at the end of these interviews. After my little outro, you will hear some outtakes or some answers answers to some rapid fire questions that I'm asking each guest, even if it's something fun like what their favorite dessert is right now. You don't always have to listen to the end, but when you do, I'll have something fun for you from now on. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants you needed to grow and progress in your life. Want to take your learning to a whole new level? There are three ways. The first is to print off this month's free printable to help track your progress on the theme at hand. You can find that on my website aboutprogress.com slash free. The second way is to join our free and private Facebook group called Work in Progress. I've linked to that in the show notes. There you can receive community, inspiration, and accountability. And lastly, you can share your voice and your words on this show, literally. Our last episode of each month will feature members of this growth-driven community, Here you will share ways that you have worked on your own progress related to the theme. You can share tips that you would like other listeners to know, or even funny stories to help them feel better. Don't be shy. You do have something of value to offer this community. You can find out how to contribute your voice or your words by going to my website aboutprogress.com, click on podcast, and then click on be on the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember life is about progress, not perfection. The other one is I love your story about swimming, that that's when oh, something yeah. you've been trying. And I just have to, such a waste of time story, but I so identify with that. So my, my wife is like this, uh, she's a full Iron Man. She's like this big swimmer and wow. we have a pool and I can't swim at all. And people, yeah. oh, sure you can. And so there was a time where there was someone in our town who they said, you know, she can teach anybody to swim. So finally I said, okay, I prepaid for eight lessons. And, uh, and I have to tell you, I was in, I was in good shape running wise and I would go to the community pool, Olympic size pool. And I did three lessons and I could not make it all the way across the pool. And I'm splashed around like I'm drowning. And I'm, I finally make it one lap and I'm all out of breath. And it was, and I didn't think about it. It was right before everybody would come for their swimming lessons, like at five o'clock. So there I am this grown man, the only guy in the pool, I can't swim. And all the little kids are coming up. Oh, mommy, is that kid? Is that guy? Okay. You know? And so three lessons in, and then the lady said to me, she's like, oh, you know, maybe some people just can't swim. So I never got my refund and I still owed five lessons oh, of swimming and I still can't no. swim. So I love your story and it, it did make me think, all right, maybe I should try again. <laughs>